I don't want to say U.S. banks bad, Canadian banks good, but there is quite a difference between your average Canadian bank and your average, certainly regional U.S. bank. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. In a recent announcement, the Federal Open Market Committee raised rates by 25 basis points in its 10th consecutive hike. On today's special episode, Portfolio managers Matt Montemoreau, Chris Heeks, and your host Mackenzie Box digest Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell's market-moving comments. They also discuss dividend strategies, the J.P. Morgan Chase takeover of First Republic, Canadian banks, and mega-cap tech stocks. Hello, and welcome back to our BMO ETFs Weekly Insights podcast with our team of experts. Thank you to everyone for continuing to tune in and to provide your comments and questions each and every week. I'm today's host, Mackenzie Box, in product at BMO Global Asset Management. And today I'm joined by Matt Montemuro and Chris Heeks, who are both portfolio managers on our ATF desks. So thank you both to Matt and Chris for joining me today. Thanks, Mackenzie. Good to be here. So it's been a busy day for fixed income as the Federal Open Market Committee decision announcement was made this afternoon. So Matt, maybe you can walk us through what happened and what it tells us about the markets going forward. Yep, absolutely. That, you know, all eyes were on the Fed at 2 p.m. And monetary policymakers hit the economy with another rate hike today. So that's 25 basis points to bring the overnight rate to 5.25. Even with concerns around regional banks this week, that wasn't enough to keep the Fed on the sidelines from raising rates another 25 basis points. You know, if you look historically, we haven't hit, uh, we're just lower than where we were in the peak of the mid 2000s hiking cycle. And I think looking forward, there's a little bit less clarity than we had thus far this year. The statement removed the explicit guidance regarding further rate hikes and definitely replaced it with much more non-committal language. The committee now says that you know, in determining the extent to which additional policy firming may be appropriate to re return inflation to 2% over time, the committee will take into account the cumulative tightening of monetary policy, the lags with which monetary policy affects economic activity and inflation, and economic and financial developments. It's a lot of words and doesn't say all that much other than we're going to wait and see. It's going to be data dependent. We're not tying ourselves to a pause. The Bank of Canada was much more explicit in their pause where the Fed, although the market, I think, believes that they will pause, um, they were definitely not committing to that in the statement. Jay Powell did have a press conference at 2.30 and you know the market hadn't moved much and was expecting maybe to get a little bit more clarity of the 2 p.m. decision, you know, what was to come next. And I'll be honest, he didn't give 
all that much away. They, they definitely are keeping their cards close, uh, close to their chest and not giving away much. They're, they're non-committal as to whether this is a pause um, and they are definitely going to be data dependent. So, you know, although I think we believe that this is going to be the final rate increase, at least in the next several meetings, um, I think it's too early for the Fed to tie their hands by committing to keep rates on hold. And that's going to definitely weigh on their future decision. So, you know, right now, as we look forward, you know, our expectation is that this is going to be the Fed's pause. You know, I I read an interesting piece that said, you know, hike in May and go away. You know, I think both the Bank of Canada and the Fed likely will be at least on pause for the remainder of the summer and into the fall and see how inflation continues to come if inflation continues to come down, if you're starting to see some cracks in the job market, which is um, one of the, the factors that uh, I think has uh, emboldened both the Fed and the Bank of Canada to raise rates to this point because of such a tight job market. Um, so, you know, looking forward, I think that's a, a positive. Some interest rate stability, I think, is a good thing for markets. You know, fixed income right now, I think it, it has it has strong performance year to date. And I think that type of stability will bring strong returns uh, for the summer and then potentially into the fall. Great. Thanks, Matt. Amid high interest rates and market volatility, consider BMO's top three ETFs yielding over 6%. The BMO Covered Call Utilities ETF, ticker ZWU, provides exposure to an equal weight portfolio of utilities, telecoms, and pipeline companies. The BMO Covered Call Canadian Banks ETF, ticker ZWB, invests solely in Canadian financials presenting an attractive valuation opportunity. And the BMO Canadian High Dividend Covered Call ETF, ticker ZWC, features solid historical dividend growth. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZWU, ZWB, and ZWC. And now we'll jump over to you, Chris, and kind of build off that question. Maybe you can talk about Fed's impact is from an equity perspective and maybe highlight some of the ETFs or themes that might bode well for this environment. Yeah, I'll just build off that. I would think it's fair to say equity investors are definitely looking for the pause. You know, as Matt said, it's very much a non-committal pause, but, you know, the Fed did drop that language about additional policy firming being required, you know, but however, as Matt mentioned, there's still a lot of nuance in the comments that allows them to to change the decision. So um, that being said, you know, I think the equity markets, for the most part, are interpreting it as a pause think that the the comments in the press presser that were a little uh more concerning on the equity side was you know is it uh getting those cuts so um you know if you look at the US rate market right now uh the market's pricing in three cuts by the end of the year and you know that does seem to be out of context with what Powell is saying and from an equity market perspective um you know i think not getting those cuts that are forecast into the market right now um could be somewhat problematic so that's kind of the bad news, I think, from an equity perspective. Uh, the good news from an equity perspective was the labor market. And Powell did also mention that really the strength and the resiliency in the labor market was exceptionally strong. And he, I believe, went as far as to say, you know, is more likely a recession is going to be avoided. And so he does not see a strong recession. You know, so this kind of soft landing or even the no landing 
scenario that that you know market uh, participants have been talking about i mean that seems to be in line with where powell sees it so he thinks because the labor market is so strong this could be a really soft landing so i think that's the good offset with the bad you know we're going to talk about the you know a little bit later about the volatility you know with banks and, and that's that's obviously not not great either but you know it's a little bit of a mix you know i do think you know in terms of strategies for the remainder of the year I would continue to you know have prudent allocations to equities, but you know I do continue to like the dividend strategies, low volatility strategies, uh, or even quality that can take some of the risk off the table. You know potentially perform even in a volatile environment where you know we don't get these cuts from the Fed later in the year, and that you know I would say you know in, in my kind of estimation is based on what Powell is saying. He you know really is. Is, is 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 not you know looking at three cuts by the end of the year and he seems like he's trying to get people to believe him and, and they aren't for some reason but that seems to be the case and you know in that environment you know again i think dividends blue chip dividends that we focus on so the bmo canadian dividend etf zdv as in victor or the bmo us dividend equity etf zdy you know a couple of good places to be where you're focused in kind of blue chip equities you know, bigger companies with strong history of paying dividends, covering those dividends with cash flow. So sustainable, high quality dividend payers, I think is a good place to lean into because, and you can see it in the market reaction to this uh, interest rate hike, you know, it's a little bit up and down. So I think that's a bit of a indication that there's, there's going to be some volatility, but, you know, the nice thing is to have some tools that can take a little bit of volatility off the table, you know, keep and uh, keep investing in equities. And I think, you know, dividends will will fit the bill in order for people to do that. Great. Thanks, Chris. Next, we'll, uh, we'll go back to you, Matt. Uh, there's been concerns that continue to mount about the U.S. regional banks. Uh, the latest one we saw was the First Republic Bank and its acquisition by J.P. Morgan. Uh, can you maybe walk us through the key takeaways of the deal and its implications to the market? Yep, Absolutely. This was a hot topic for much of March, and then we saw a little bit of stability in in kind of later April, and, and now that's reared its ugly head again uh, as we come into May. You know, they once again dominated highlight, uh, headlines and led to an extremely volatile week in markets. You know, over the weekend, we learned uh, some big news regarding First Republic Bank. Uh, this was just the latest shoe to drop. So JP Morgan announced that uh, their acquisition of First Republic, uh, which will include most of the assets and all of the deposits. You know, an interesting quote from uh, JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon, uh, framing the deal as a form of support to the U.S. financial system. So it wasn't just a you know an everyday acquisition. You know, JP Morgan was really coming out and supporting the U.S. financial system, according to uh, according to uh, Jamie Dimon. You know, his quote is, "Our government invited us and others to step up, and we did." You know, while this is definitely a monumental deal, um, FDIC did provide some aid to make sure that it went down smoothly. They provided 80% loss sharing to cover mortgages and loans. Uh, they also, uh, this deal also guarantees all deposits uh, for depositors. So there's no risk from them on that perspective. JP Morgan was able to boost their own deposits by acquiring both 92 billion in, in deposits from, from First Republic. So thus far, if you look at the failures, you know, you're looking at uh, First Republic, 
you are looking at Silicon Valley Bank, you're looking at Signature Bank, that amounts to about 36 billion of bank failures kind of in that last six weeks. You know, if you look at the deal from a market perspective, uh, you know, Overall, it's actually been looked at pretty positively. If you look at JP Morgan, it was trading up uh, the next day by by and, and is expected to be accreted by about one percent of net income. You know, but this did bring to light you know potential further concerns about the financial system, financial system stability, uh, regional banks. Uh, in Jay Powell's press conference, he did identify that he thought the financial system uh, needed to have small, medium-sized, and large banks. You know, he was kind of shying away from the Canadian large banking, you know, big six, big seven type type structure. He he felt that the system was strongest with having small medium-sized and large banks competing for business. So, you know, that's something that it seems is is uh, paramount in, in testament to the U.S. system. You know, if you ask our view, uh, it is, we, we do view the First Republic Bank as very different than the Silicon Valley Bank scenario, where we think that scenario um, was, there, there was a lot of fear within the government uh, and the market that that would be a contagion-like event that would spread to other sectors and to other companies. You know, we do think that this episode appears to be a little bit more company-specific versus a systemic issue. You know, we don't think that this is just another domino and we're waiting for the next one. We think this is more of an isolated event and um, that we we should see some stabilization uh, in banks. So we, we did see that in April. We saw those last two weeks of April, we saw you know, regional banks and kind of the the big power player, big banks uh, stabilize. Uh, We do, after a kind of a rocky week, we would expect them to stabilize uh, further throughout the month. But, you know, overall, this still has been a a rocky sector to be part of, very volatile. Uh, And, you know, looking at the Fed, I think it's something that they really had to look look at carefully if they were able to increase rates rates and you know i think uh it'll be interesting to to continue to see the rest of the press conference um but governor powell i think reiterated that although there are concerns they felt strongly enough that they the the system could withstand another 25 basis point hike and i think that's very telling i think with the market expectations of where they were um you know basically it was, a, I think this morning, it was about an 88% chance probability that we saw a 25 basis point hike. If they did pull that back, that might give us a little bit more insight into their deep concern in the financial system. I think by by continuing to hike, this might be more of an isolated issue and that we could expect some more stabilization in the banking sector uh, for the next few months as, you know, if, if the Fed pause does continue. So, you know, overall, Big news headline. I think it's kind of been gobbled up by JP Morgan, kind of saving the day, as Jamie Dimon put it. And and I do think that this could be one of the last dominoes to fall, but time will tell. Thanks, Matt. Not all cash equivalents are created equal. And BMO's Money Market and Ultra Short-Term Bond ETFs offer several high-quality options to park client cash. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZMMK, ZST, and ZUS. And sticking with the theme of banks, uh, Chris, we'll pass this one over to you. 
Can you talk about the Canadian bank ETF? So our BMO equal weight banks index ticker ZEB and our BMO covered call Canadian banks uh, ETF ticker ZWB. Right now, they're looking like they have a strong opportunity, especially looking at it versus the U.S. banks. And maybe you can kind of give us a quick preview on what's to come in the next three weeks with earnings season. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Mackenzie. So, um, you know, I don't want to say U.S. banks bad, Canadian banks good, but, you know, there is quite a difference between your average Canadian bank and your average, certainly regional U.S. bank in the U.S. right now. So, you know, we've talked about it a fair bit on the podcast, but, you know, just to reiterate some of the reasons we like them, um, obviously the dividend growth over time has been uh, very excellent on the on the large Canadian banks. Uh, you're looking at the dividend yield on the, on the big six banks around 4.9%. You know, and historically that's a pretty, um, A, that's a pretty high level for them to yield, and, and B, that has been associated with um, better forward returns because um, as the yield is higher, the price is somewhat depressed. If you're looking at the earnings, you know, they're trading at nine times. You know, certainly with earnings coming in three weeks, um, you know, trading at nine times forward earnings, that's a very attractive level again. But the market will be watching to see, you know, where those earnings go. Do they decelerate a tiny bit? Do they stay flat? couple of data points we've seen. Uh, OSPI released their loan report last month, and loan growth is, is pretty good across the big banks. So we're still seeing loan growth in the teens uh, on average. You know, as a reminder, the Canadian banks don't have a ton of direct residential real estate exposure. So that's something we're obviously talking a lot about as we monitor housing as well. The Canadian banks don't really have that. You know, the exposure is more to the commercial, uh, overall commercial loan book. We note that commercial real estate where we're seeing some challenges, and that's part of the reason the regionals and right in the U.S. are under pressure is commercial real estate, part of that story. Again, we have not seen uh, too much of the bubblings with respect to Canada there. So that's good. And, and again, the loan book is growing. So, uh, you know, the earnings always gives us a chance to see the health of that overall loan book, how much money is being set aside for uh, non-performing loans. Uh, but again, like the U.S., the Canadian labor market is, is very healthy. And again, there hasn't been too much bubbling from the commercial real estate side like in the U.S. So, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic they'll they'll come through with a you know, reasonable quarter. And again, like you said, I think that's a, a, a good opportunity for buy and hold investors to look at Canadian banks. The other thing we're seeing, obviously, is with this volatility, um, that opportunity to increase the income um, with the cover call strategy. So the ZWB. And, uh, you know, so it's, um, you know, Canadian banks do have exposure to the U.S., but, you know, the primary exposure obviously is to Canada. Um, you know, at times they're getting kind of dragged into the so dragged into the storm, so to speak. But, you know, they do have that history of really being resilient in times of uh, times of crisis. So you're not saying that's a time of crisis right now, but, you know, I do expect they're going to weather the storm, certainly. And, uh, you know, continue to think it's a good opportunity. Great. Thanks, Chris. We'll keep you in the hot seat for one last question. Our BMO Covered Call Technology ETF, ticker ZWT, has had really strong performance year-to-date at just over 25%, one of the top performing ETFs year-to-date. I was hoping you can give us some insight into what's driving the performance and a little bit more about the ETF itself. So this is going to be more of the hedge, quote-unquote, idea. You know, very strong performance. 
you know, as growth has really been in demand, it's been doing well, you know, ZWT, uh, even though it's covered calls, been fortunate, like you say, to capture those trends and deliver strong performance. You know, we did talk in, you know, the first bit about equity positioning, about remaining defensive. This is going to be a potential barbell to that defensiveness. So, you know, should those rate cuts come through, um, growth, you know, may likely um continue to outperform. And this is where as a WT can come in, you know, like it for a few reasons, but overall, one reason I do like it is it's, it's really market cap influenced. So if you look at the top holdings, you know, the top five holdings in this ETF are Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, i.e. Google and Amazon, and then Meta, which is, you know, Facebook. So, you know, basically the big mega, mega cap techs, are in this, they're about 45% of the fund. And, you know, again, should there be trouble navigating volatile markets, you know, size tends to be something that can help defray some of that risk. You know, uh, they all just went through earnings as well. Um, and generally speaking, uh, the mega caps tech all had very strong earnings. Uh, Microsoft, probably the most notably so, very strong earnings in their software and cloud business. But, you know, across the suite of them, I believe four to five uh, outperformed. I think Apple was a slight surprise to the negative, but all five, uh, you know, had some pretty good stock price performance around earnings. So again, it's in the real, the blue chip tech space. And again, this is, I think, an exposure that can balance against more defensive tilts, you know, against that uh, dividend strategy, the ZDY we spoke about earlier, and uh, or potentially, uh, you know, a low volatility exposure like a BMO US low volatility equity ETF ZLU. Um, I think that's where ZWT can really come and fit nicely against those components and give investors a nice hedge, you know, should the soft landing be achieved and we see some rate ease on some of those uh, interest rate levels over time. Great. Thanks, Chris. That's all the questions that we have for this week. So I just want to thank everyone for listening in and a special thank you to both Matt and Chris for providing some great insights. And with that, I just want to thank everyone and have yourselves a great week. Thank you to Mackenzie Box, Matt Montemoro, and Chris Heeks for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Covered Call Technology ETF, ticker ZWT, which invests in a portfolio of North American tech companies such as Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, and Meta. Our experts also discussed where to find high-quality dividend payers. The BMO Canadian Dividend ETF, ticker ZDV, provides exposure to blue-chip Canadian equities with sustainable income. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.